Welcome to Inland Sessions, the podcast. Today we're spending time with Latrice Williams, who talks about how she learned from her past and leans on her faith to create the Latrice Williams experience, a combination of singing, performance, and storytelling. Thank you, first of all, for having me. My name is Latrice Williams. With the performance for me, you are going to get the Latrice experience. So I like to make the scenes of my life come alive. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's what you can expect from me. Um, I'm not a quiet singer at all. I love uh, participation, audience participation. Um, a lot of people ask me, oh, I'm talking a lot. No, I'm, uh, I okay. asked a question. Okay. That's, that's your job here today. <laughs> okay. A lot of people ask me, you know, what are you going to record? Are you going to, I, I, I do like being in the studio. Don't get me wrong, but I would much rather be, um, on a stage, a live stage with the audience because I like to see, it's one thing for somebody to say, oh gosh, that song, you really touched me when you when you sang that song, like after they've listened to, you know, a recording of me or something, but like to be in somebody's face and, and to be speaking life into them through music, through song, through, um, you know, something that I put together and generated regardless if it's, if I'm not playing the instrument, I've, I have, I am involved in every step of, the um, performance for us. And I'm typically with sessions, um, but you know, sometimes I do it, excuse me, separately, um, or maybe just like a keyboardist or some odd thing like that, uh, uh, just a guitar maybe. I like that unplugged feel. It just depends on what it's called for. Um, and I have a very uh, spiritual background. So um, I grew up singing in the church, so lots of people connect um, black people to gospel music. Um, I am a black woman, so black indigenous. And so um, all of the things uh, gospel and spiritual are part of who I am. And so I try to make sure that that comes alive when they see me. So I think that's the difference between um, my music and what you see when I perform. Coming to a performance is there's nothing compared to that and and for me too on this side so so you started singing in the church mm -hmm. do you start that as a child I did I was three years old uh, my mom <laughs> she put me up she put me up on the um where the choir stand goes and oh man the church was packed that day and it's like a, it's a pretty big church especially when you're only three and you're like <laughs> you know two feet tall or maybe and That's everybody you know. Right. It, yes, exactly. Especially in a black church. Like mm -hmm. every black person in the city is in this church right now. And she put me up there and she had taught me these little hand movements to to um, do while I was singing the song. And she was singing. She would sing the words and I would repeat back to her and sing those words. And um, I just never stopped. My mom was always just put me, come on up here, sing that song, girl. And sing this right here. My mom's a singer. My dad's a musician, so all of my life, my dad has always played. Um, also, a minister. My mom is a missionary, so it was just, it was music was just embedded in what I did. Um, and then I didn't really realize, like, when you sing in church, well, in in our our, our churches, um, 
you learn harmony real quick too. So I'm very comfortable singing background. Um, I would, my mom would be singing one thing in the front of the church and, and somehow I don't, thank you, Jesus. Maybe it was God or something, (laughs) but I could harmonize with anybody on anything. Um, so yeah, that, that was the fun part about it. I mean, that's so amazing and wonderful and that you had all this support and like this push toward art and music when you were growing up. You know, maybe I'm overstepping some bounds, but if you would (laughs) lean back and give us a taste of like one of those hymns that just fills you with joy, could you give us just a couple bars? What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs you bears. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit, and oh, what needless pain we Thank you so much. That was so beautiful. I'm pretty sure I mixed up two songs right there. So if somebody's listening to this, like, my mama, I'm sorry. You sang me a couple (laughs) bars of a couple things. There you go. Yeah. yeah. That happens a lot in church, actually, (laughs) believe it or not. I'm like, uh, is that, that's not even the same. Okay, we just go with it. We're just going to have a great time. We really do. What's it like being able to carry your instrument inside you? I often think about that, like, um, I've been blessed with a gift that was that was pretty natural to me. I never did any like singing lessons or anything like that. So everything about what I have is is really God given. And I've had a lot of different traumas in my life. You said it's an instrument, but it's it's more than the instrument. And I realized that when I when I hit like maybe seventeen or eighteen, um, there's actually healing behind it. So there's. So I won't won't get all religious on you guys, but there's definitely an anointing connected to it. Um, And so just as much as I can speak life into somebody with the with my instrument, as you call it, um, I also rise myself up, you know, through through the anointing that's behind that instrument. So um, it's like it's like a walking hymnal. I don't know, like one that's alive, you know. Well, I mean, I don't even come to it from that the same way that you do. I don't connect that way, but the health benefits of singing and singing along with people and that it has nothing to do with the quality of your singing. Right. It's really all about the action. Yes, I love that. Yeah. That's what music does. Mm-hmm. That's what music that you. I love that you said that because that's exactly what music does. You don't have to be from, you know, one walk or the other. I've had what people from way different sides of the spectrum come to my shows or come and and hear me sing um singing the national anthem for something a black national anthem for another thing and somebody being so far on the other side of things right and then coming and hearing this is this is like real life for me like hearing me sing and somebody walking up to me and saying i'm having to rethink 
what life is right now. That's a big deal to me. I'd like to hear about some of the healing that you've experienced or you've been able to share through the art that you've been making because your art is so personal to who you are and what you're doing. Yeah. Could you tell me about that journey? Yeah, it's been a long journey, though. I mean, I won't get into all of the specifics because you'll have to go out and read the book. The book <gasps> will be out. It, it should be out by the beginning of this year. Um, the book is called Project 835859, and just an idea for what you'll you'll be reading about. You're going to read what it was like for from the day in 2008 where I was arrested um, to when I came home back in 2014. And so you're going to see the, this is, this is when I kind of woke up to what this instrument does. And so, um, I don't know how in depth I can get to that. I don't want to, I don't want to spoil the book. I don't want to spoil it, but, uh, I could tell you that when I, when I do, um, live performances, I take scenes typically from my own life and reinvent them when you bring something that's authentic it's it tugs at heartstrings even more and people that didn't even realize that they are going through that or have gone through that they're able to really like oh wow so she said it why well, <laughs> i guess i can you know could you tell me about that transition from uh be, from being a singer and growing up and learning to use your voice mm. to writing out your thoughts and writing your own music Girl, I've been writing. I've been writing since I was a girl, a little girl too. Yeah. You know, I just never. You know how I write. I write a little bit different than everybody else. I would. My dad's a musician, so we had we had a room like this. It was probably a little bit smaller than this, and all these guys would be packed into one room, and they're and they're making noise. I would always hear music, so I don't know what the how to say the transition because again I've been writing for a long time where where did I get comfortable with sharing with the world um I, I feel real comfortable behind other people's lyrics and I because I can relate to them you know when I start talking about mine I get a little bit you know um shy I get a little nervous whether or not people are gonna like it or not and then I released my first that first single that I released which was gas and I felt like I really wanted to, like, start telling my story um, and really be authentic about it and the change because I think what is what people don't really see, what people see people go in and out of jail and, and, you know, be addicted to drugs or be in a life of crime and just in the justice system, period, but they don't see that there actually is light at the end of the tunnel, and sometimes people really do change. So you can put every single hat on me that I just named off right now, and I'm you would never be able. Well, maybe you could tell. I don't know, but I I don't think that you could tell based off of like the credentials that I have now. And so I think it's important not for people just like me, like back then. You know how people are still struggling right now. I think it's it's so important for people that are in they're in lawmaking. Um, positions and people who are, you know, legislators and, and, you know, governors and justice, just the people that really are in charge of making those those changes, um, making sure that that when we're setting laws in place and uh, we need to we need to value people more than just just a number. Like the reason why my book and the and the EP is called Project Eight Three Five Eight Five Nine is because that's my DOC number, and so I need them to know that there was a change in me that was a positive, one hundred and eighty degree change, not a three hundred and sixty, because I'm not going back. Um, it was a complete change. Like and and it's 
it's so enlightening to be able to share that with other people, especially other people that that are 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 or were in the situation that I was in and the feedback that I got from that was crazy. It was this wild, like, I can't believe you did. Like, I put the video out, and I was coming out of, you know, fucking county jail and just really, like, acting it out. It was it was super fun to do, and, and that was cool. So, Did that help you get over the vulnerability? Is that what helped you? Well, <laughs> I have a story to tell, and I don't like setting out and doing something and not, like, completing it. So I do have a story to tell, and I'm going to finish telling at least this story. The second single that I put out was My Soul. And I was going through, I had some really traumatic things happening. And I had one of my daughters, my oldest daughter, came to me and she was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, like, just like that. And, you know, she was like 16 at the time, you know. Our, our, our children are watching us and they need to be led in the appropriate way like we need to set good examples and so I had to make a huge decision and I can't tell you like what the turn of events directly were but that song my soul was specifically that it was listen if it takes my soul I'm not going with you I cannot go with you my soul is more important than what what I even see physically with my eyes like where I end up is important and so um uh, that song was the real, like, if I thought I got feedback on gas, people were like, oh, my gosh, oh, it take my soul, I swear. Like, they were, I mean, people were calling me, singing it, and they were replaying it, and I was getting lots of, just lots of just positive feedback, and I loved it about that because that was a hard time for me. Is it possible I could ask you again, could you give us a couple bars of my soul? Oh, Yeah. Patience running thin, need time, maxing out the spin, uh, remind of a love that never bends, but part-time, chasing after wind, I decline, if it takes my soul, I swear I cannot go, oh no. Oh no, my love for you is whole, but if it takes my soul, I can't go, no. Beautiful, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. You know, you've been through so many challenges and changes. Was there anyone trying to tell you not to pursue music? Yeah, never. It was the exact opposite. So uh, there was a period of time in my life where from 12 to the time, however old I was when I was, in 08 you're beautiful and you can sing and all these things and I was like I'm running the streets I don't care about that stuff I just didn't think that I could make it you know I really didn't have like positive thoughts about myself just because a lot of childhood trauma that you may hear about in the book you may see some of that in the book but so because of that that lack of self-confidence um I really didn't I, I didn't pursue it but everybody would always tell me, like, you're special. There's something about you. You are special. People that I didn't even know sometimes, but I have an aunt who, um, she's an amazing singer, like, far, far surpasses me. Like, And um, she did an album. Her original music, I was supposed to help perform, and I ended up going to jail. So that was a big thing for me, and people were, I just really let a lot of people down back then, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I don't have a story where I could say that somebody told me not to. Everybody was always like, if, if there's anybody, you're going to do it. 
What would you tell people who are in a similar situation where they're young and they're talented and they've got so much energy behind them, but they're busy telling themselves they can't do it because of the pain and trauma of their past, They that they believe those lies they're telling yeah. themselves? What do you tell them? Yeah, first of all, self-talk is super important. You you got to change the way you're, you're thinking by changing the way you say things, right? So words are powerful. I know, you know, we've already talked about, you know, a lot of spiritual things, but there's power of life and death in the tongue. I mean, if you pursue your dreams and it works, what do you lose? But if you don't, what do you lose? Like, weigh your your options, because if I'm right and and you're going to be successful, you know, then then I'm right, right? Like, like there's nothing for you to lose there. And if you if you're not successful when you do it, what is there to lose? And so my my thought is just to go with it, try it, you know, you know. Music is a part of your life, but you also have a day job. I do. <laughs> Ooh, do how I. do you how do you fit music into your schedule? Believe it or not, I wake up about four four thirty in the morning. This morning I woke up at three, um, so I'm a very early riser. Um, and I schedule out my day. No lie. Um, everything is scheduled out. If it's not on my calendar, it does not exist. Period. I told you I'm, I'm always humming something. <laughs> and so if I'm riding down the street, and um, sometimes I'll just turn the music off to the car or whatever and just ride, you know. And if mm-hmm. I'm riding down the street and, and a, a um, melody comes, I'll turn on my, my recorder on my phone and I'll just let the melody play. And by the time, you know, I get home, then I'll be able to put some music to it or put some words to it. Uh, did you start out that way? Were you always someone who had to plan out your day like that? How did oh. you build those skills? Well, believe it or not, I happen to be a very big procrastinator. And uh, I've missed a couple of appointments, I'm sure, with down the years and, and felt really bad about it. And I just think that... Uh, at some point, I'm like, oh, I need a calendar. And then, of course, I've taken many of coaching. I've paid tens of thousands of dollars for coaching and um, mentoring, mentorships and stuff like that. So the same the same love that I give to other people as it relates to, like, mentorship and, and um, um, leadership, I, I take advantage of those all the time. I, I think there is no shortage of, of funds or money that you could pay somebody to be able to speak life into you. That shouldn't be a free job. Um, so anyhow, I've I've taken many of coaching programs, and, and they all encourage me to keep it on my calendar. So so that's how you have a day job, and you're releasing an EP, and you're yeah. releasing a book, and yeah. Uh, raising some kids and oh, yeah. mentoring the community. Yes. Yeah, you, yes. Got a full, you got a full day. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Could you tell me where you plan to take your music? What's what's the future for the Latrice Williams experience? Oh, man, you guys, this is so hard for me. I'm not looking to be the biggest, though. Music as a career has not, it's not, Ooh, I almost put my foot in my mouth because it's not that I wouldn't desire because music is my passion, right? But making money from music, like, so that's what I that's what I feel like when I say music as a career, mm-hmm. music is paying the bills. Music is doing all that. I don't think about music like that. I think about music as I need to get a message out, and when that person gets that healing, then I'm free to move on, right? So... Um, as long as God is still giving me a message to give to somebody, then I'm going to be out here giving it. Yeah. Where did that strength come from? Man, Who do I, you blame? It's so crazy. <laughs> I know, right? 
I'll give you a little bit of the book. So I was getting ready to do my, I, I got sentenced to 12 years, so 100, 144 months, and I was getting ready to take off. And um, I had a U.S. Marshal hold, so I was I was held as a as a federal prisoner in a state facility. And in the state facility, I ended up losing my eyesight. So I lost my complete peripheral, was gone. And then um, I had about 20% down the middle, but it was it was double. So I had to close one of my eyes to see. And my eyes were swollen, swollen or whatnot, and um, I was having extreme headaches. And at this time, I'm in this holding facility. I'm on I'm on 23 and a half hours lockdown, and um, not that I was a bad person. So please don't take that wrong. It's just how their system was set up, um, especially because I was pregnant. So I was I was three months pregnant at the time too, and um, I remember waking up in the middle of the night and mind you I don't I didn't have a roommate at this time when it's lights off 11 o'clock they turn the lights off so it's pitch black and I remember waking up at like getting jawed out of my sleep and you know I don't know if you have any kids or not but when you're pregnant you don't typically lay on your stomach you kind of lay to the side so I was already kind of on on my stomach but on my side and I felt this tap on my shoulder and it jol- jolted me up and I was sleeping so I didn't remember that I was in where I was at at the moment but so I turned around and looked over my shoulder and I said, huh? I wouldn't look, but I turned around and um, I said, huh? And then I kind of started waking up again. I was like, oh, there's nobody here. My head is like pounding at this time. Like this is this is when I was like at the at the like the peak of this this sickness. Right. And I knew at that moment, like, oh, that was like I felt like it was like the spirit of death or something like I felt like I was I was it was over in my I knew that I had a tumor and I, I was pretty sure it was a brain tumor and I was pretty sure that I wasn't going to make it and so I ended up I remember getting on the uh the, the phone and called my mom that next day and I was like I was like well I'm dying here I'm not going to make it she was like no you're going to make it she's like I'm gonna come down there and see you and it was it's like visitation through it a TV screen, you know, and when she came down there to see me, my eyes were like so swollen. And she was like, well, I'm going to try to call somebody. And I was like, no, I just want to say goodbye right now. And I remember going back to my cell and like, I was praying. I was like, God, if you just save me this one last time, I know everybody says that, right? If you just save me this one last time, I promise, I promise I will live for you. Like I promise. And, uh, so I've always stuck with that. Like, it wasn't an option for me. I mean, I've been, I got nine felony convictions, 19 failure to peers. Like, I'm not a, I'm not new to a cell. Um, but at that moment, I knew that I wouldn't make it. Like, I, I feel like that was that moment where God told me, like, this is what you're up against. Are you, tr- are you really ready to make this change? And so, um, from that moment, I, like, it wasn't like I was a bad person. Like, I read my Bible. I did the thing. I just grew up in church. So I knew what to do, but I knew how to play church, you know. And it was one thing to play um, as opposed to actually, you know, changing and, and really being authentically just like just pure. I don't know, just letting it go. And so I, I just don't have the – I guess I'm sorry that was a long answer to your, your short question. I don't have the option to be in the streets. It's not an option. I've already give, been given every single chance that I would ever get. I'm trying to make sure that these kids don't have to end up like that 
you know, um, or in, in that position before they can make the decision to change. Like, I, I feel very lucky and honored and blessed to even be here talking about this because at that moment, I knew. I knew my life was over. Like, there was nothing that anybody could tell me that that I was not supposed to die that day um, had I not made that decision. So, so long, long, long answer to your short question. I appreciate it. Um, where do you find that well of positivity to cling to? It's God. It's <laughs> Jesus. Like, I cannot. There is no other way. I, I, and you may not agree with me and whatnot, but this is where I get it from. I grew up religious. That's how I grew up. That was the wrong way. That, to me, I mean, sorry, not like no offense to anybody, but to me, that was the wrong way. Now, ever since that day in that bed, you know, and I, and I have children. Like I said, you know, I have children, my own, of my own birth children. I have seven children, you know, four boys and three girls. And so I have to set a good example for them. So that's where I, I would say my well comes from. It, it, it definitely is it's, it's spiritual for me. So you have so much creative drive. You have so much professional drive. As a way to kind of wrap this up and warm this up, given us a few bars. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Can I ask you, what is your favorite song that you didn't write to sing? Oh, somewhere over the rainbow, way up high. There's a land that I heard of once in a lullaby. Somewhere over the rainbow, skies are blue. And the dreams that you dare to dream really do come true. Someday I'll wish upon a star and wake up where the clouds are far behind me. Where troubles melt like lemon drops away above the chimney tops. That's where you will find me. Can we just never we don't need to talk anymore thank you so much uh latrice williams i appreciate your time so much is there any last thing that you would like to share before we say goodbye uh nope i just want to thank you guys for the opportunity shout out to chuck vibes ep just dropped wrote it and got them um go go cop the ep oh i do have one last question for oh, you sure. i do which is what was your experience what's it like to come in and be on Inland Sessions. Yeah, it is mind-blowing um, to grow up watching PBS, KSPS, like every morning when I go to Channel 7. But to come and watch it just come alive. Everybody is so respectful. I get to sit in the green room. I guess it was funny because they're like, oh, we need to put a little powder on you. I'm like, oh, I never, like, you never really, like, know what TV is like until you're on TV. I'm like, okay, so somebody's going to come put some powder on me. Um, it was really cool. And, and I'm going to be keeping real with you guys. Be ready. If you want to do TV, be ready. Ready because it's a long it takes a long time it's a it's a process so be ready have your water but you guys took care of me you know you guys did amazing so 
Yeah, we try and make sure you have some water and some snacks. Yeah. We know it's a long process. Yeah. No, but it was amazing. You got, you all are amazing. You made me feel very welcome. You know, as a black woman, can I just say that sometimes we walk into places and <laughs> we get the stares, we get the, oh my gosh, look at her hair, or we get, it's just awkward sometimes. And I never feel like that when I'm with you, Zana. Like, seriously, you're like, hey, girl. And I'm like, we both are like super lively. Like she beats me out on live. Like I, a lot of people they can't do that, but you do that, and you make me feel really comfortable. So I just, I really, uh, I feel welcome here. I really do. That, that means a lot to me. Well, that means a lot to me too. So thank you so much. You're so wonderful. Uh, thank you so much for all the time that you've invested in making sure that we have this fantastic performance with Latrice Williams' experience and bringing sessions along for the party. You have been listening to a KSPS production recorded in Spokane, Washington. For more information about Inland Sessions, to watch back episodes, or if you'd like to learn how your support of KSPS, PBS, and public television turns into more great programming that explores local arts and culture while promoting civic health and lifelong learning, please visit ksps.org. Thank you.